Now, today we are on the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verses 24 to 29. And this study is about the importance of faith. Faith. All right? Faith. Uh, What Jesus thought of the importance of faith. And what you learn uh, as we drill down in this is that everything starts with faith. The fact that you're a Christian, that you accepted uh, Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior, began with faith. It began with a kernel of faith. And it's not something that you had because of your characteristics or your intellectual ability or your personality or your family. None of that. It happened because at some point you reached out to God and said to God, I'm lost, I need a Savior. And as you did that, God begins through the Holy Spirit, to give you a modicum of faith that then allows you to accept him and believe him and draw yourself closer to him. And so even the very faith that you have was a gift of God. That's, that's important to understand that. Even the very faith that you have was a, was a gift from God. And we're going to see it in this example this morning uh, involving Thomas. Now, I want you to understand something. As I've continued to study uh, and read. One of the things that I recently read that was uh, very poignant to me uh, was this theologian that made the comment about the age of the disciples. You know, we don't really know too much about the age of the disciples, but, but there's some uh, corollary information that we can use to draw some opinions. For example, Jesus told Peter at one point, you remember that story, to go and drop a line in the water in order to get a fish, because in that fish there would be two coins, one to pay the temple tax of Jesus and one to pay the temple tax of Peter. Do you recall that story? So here's the deal why that's important. You only had to pay the temple tax if you were over the age of 21. Meaning what? You don't see the story about the temple tax being paid by the other disciples. And so effectively, we can draw some kind of conclusion. They didn't have other jobs. They had followed Jesus. They had left everything they were doing to follow Jesus. And so the first question, the first thing that that says to me is, well, there's a very good chance that the other disciples were under the age of 21. Secondly, under Jewish culture, if you were not married by the age of 21, you were looked at askance. Nobody else is married. Nobody else is married but Peter. So what does that mean most likely? It means most likely that Jesus was traveling with teenagers, with young people. Now that really causes me to reflect again on a lot of the stories and a lot of what they've gone through. It somewhat makes it clearer why for three years they never got him, they didn't understand him, they didn't know what he was doing. But boy, when they finally got it, you see the commitment in their life where all 11 of them gave their lives gave it away because they had come to faith. What a wonderful story that is. Uh, uh, And it drills down to me in a powerful way uh, about the idea of faith. So this story we're going to study today, uh, these passages relate to faith. John chapter 20, beginning with verse 24. Now Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, "'We have seen the Lord.'" But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger 
where the nails were and put my hand into his side. I will not believe it. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand, put it into my side, stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And you fall into that group. You have not seen, but you have believed. And here's one of the things that we recognize uh, through faith, that we understand that through faith, uh, where the world says seeing is believing, we go, no, believing is seeing, right? Believing is seeing. And so you see that in this story. So as we drill down into this story, we understand that Jesus first appeared uh, to the disciples in the upper room. Thomas wasn't there. Uh, uh, when Jesus left and Thomas came on the scene, the others told him, you miss Jesus. He's walking around. He's alive. Uh, and yet Thomas refused to believe. He refused to believe. And you see how important faith is. Even though other people told him, the other disciples told him, guys that he traveled with for three years, it didn't matter. He still did not believe that Jesus was resurrected from the grave. And so a week later, they're in the same place now. Now Thomas is there. All the doors are locked. Of course, the locked doors don't keep Jesus out. You understand that. Jesus comes through, uh, and Jesus appears to Thomas. And, and I want you to understand how God views you, how God will bow to your unbelief, and God will speak to your faith and what you need to have in a time of crisis. And so God knew where Thomas was. God knew that Thomas was struggling with this. And so Jesus walks over to Thomas and said, here, put your hands in my scars. Put your hand in the, in the hole in my side. I want you to see it. Uh, and, and so as, as Jesus says this to Thomas, Thomas stops. He doesn't have to put his hands in the scars. He doesn't have to put his hand in the hole in Jesus' side. Instead, he understands immediately, Jesus is God. He has resurrected. Everything he says is the truth. And he makes one of the greatest professions of faith uh, in the entire New Testament. In verse 28, he's, he drops by Jesus and says, my Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. What a statement this is. The recognition that not only is Jesus God and Lord, but he's my Lord and my God. Do you see this incredible personal aspect of what's going on here and how, how important it is? Uh, and so now you begin to understand the importance of faith. Now here's the point about understanding this. Uh, Thomas was indeed a doubter. Uh, but he was not lacking in courage or loyalty or devotion to Jesus. He just did not believe that Jesus could be who he said he was. He just did not. He had trouble with it. And he saw that he died on the cross. And so after seeing this horrific death, how could anybody come back to life after that kind of death? Well, you have to also understand the kind of personality, the kind of personality that Thomas had. He was a negative guy. He was a dour guy. 
Uh, he was not an optimistic guy, and we have evidence for that. And I think it's important to look at it. Look at John chapter 11. And so th this is important because this is where Lazarus uh, dies, and Jesus has just decided he's going back, and he, and he makes this statement about Lazarus. Uh, and looking at John chapter 11, verse 4, when he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory that God's Son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews tried to stone you, and yet you are going back there? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? A man who walks by day will not stumble. As he sees by this world's light, it is when he walks by night that he stumbles, for he has no light. After he said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. Well, you got to love the way Jesus phrases it, huh? I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. See what I mean about not getting him? All right? He just didn't get him. Uh, Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. And by the way, you got to love the way Jesus just lays it right out. Lazarus is dead. But I'm glad for your sake that he's dead because your faith is going to be refined and restored. And that's what this message is about today. About I know that so many of you are suffering and going through hard times. And I want to assure you that God knows it. Just like he walked into that room and walked over to Thomas and let him put his fingers in his scars and offered to do that. Uh, and here you see him saying to the disciples, I'm going back. I'm waking Lazarus up from the dead. And I'm glad I'm going to be able to do it because this is for you. You need to see it. This is for your faith. And so God is speaking to us today about our own faith, about the difficulties we're going through, and that God is refining us and lifting us up, restoring us and showing us what happens when we have faith in everything he, we, he does for us. Verse 16, this is the principal point of why I'm reading it. Then Thomas said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. There it is, Mr. Negative, okay? There it is. Yep, let's go with him. Because he's going to die, and let's die with him. Uh, and so you see that kind of dour, negative personality. We often don't focus on these things. We think of all the apostles as all saints, just lifted up, never having a down, a down day. Am I right? All having little halos over their head. But let me tell you something. <laughs> They're just like you. They had good days. They had bad days. All right? They were just fully human beings. Now, uh, I want you also to turn to John chapter 14, because in this, this is in the final discourse where Jesus is really laying out the theology of God to them. Uh, he's speaking now about heaven, and he's speaking about the fact that he will shortly go to heaven, and he will intend to prepare a place for them, and he will bring them with them to heaven. Now, if you turn to John 14, beginning at, at verse 1, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back 
and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Not so fast. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going. So how can we know the way? I mean, here it is. I mean, you've only been with him for three years. We don't know where you're going. How can we find the way there? I mean, you know, here's Jesus speaking on such an elevated level about eternal life and spiritual things. And it's almost like this guy's looking for a road map, you know? I mean, you just understand the long-suffering patience of Christ. And that's a lesson, too. Because so many of you are trying to speak to family members about getting them to come to Jesus Christ, and they haven't gotten it. They haven't accepted it, all right? Here's a guy who's spending three years walking around with Jesus, and he still doesn't get it, all right? And look at how God really reacts to it. Do you see God uh, uh, announcing a judgment or pronouncing a judgment? Instead, you see in love how Jesus acts, in love. Uh, And that's important for us today, how God, understanding that the human condition is not one that readily understands through faith, that we have to love people. And so this becomes an important lesson for you today, even as you're going to leave here and speak to people about Jesus Christ. And so you see this. Uh, We have no idea where you're going, Jesus. How can we know unless you tell us? And so you see this, this message with this man, this dear man, who will ultimately come absolutely to faith, who will make one of the great confessions of faith, and yet you see how gracious is Jesus, how, how patient and loving is Jesus, where he comes back and he walks right over to Thomas. You see that. He goes right into that room, and he walks right over to Thomas, and he gives him the scars. Go ahead. I know you want to see this. I know for you it's important. Go ahead. Touch my hand. Touch, touch my legs. Put your hand in the, the hole in my side because you need to see it and I want you to know I love you and I want to give you that important aspect of what you need. That's how God is. And so even as you're praying for people and even yourself as you're going through difficult times of faith, when you pray to the Lord, the Lord will restore your faith. He'll come back like he did to Thomas and speak to you just like he speak, spoke to Thomas and elevate you and lift you up and care for you. And he will do that for the kind of people that you're trying to preach the gospel to. And so you see this incredible passage where where Thomas moves from total doubt to one of the greatest exclamations of faith in the New Testament. Uh, Certainly, at least as equal to when Peter said, Who art thou? And Peter says, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Well, this this confession by Thomas is certainly uh, on that level. And now in verse 29... In verse 29, Jesus speaks of others who will come, who will believe without physically seeing Jesus. And they will be blessed. And now you fall into that category. Because we believe in Jesus without seeing Jesus physically. And God has given us evidence. And as you heard this morning, our faith is not a leap in the dark. We don't leap in the dark about our faith. We, we believe Jesus is who he said he is because of the mountain of evidence that God has given us as to who Jesus is. And here is the mountain. You got it? Here is the mountain in my left hand. Here is the overwhelming evidence. 
Here are the testimonies. Here are the miracles. Here is the truth. Here is the, the scriptures and the prophecies from the beginning of time, from Genesis, from the primordial ooze in Genesis, right through to Revelation, in every single aspect speaking throughout the Bible of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That's why we believe who Jesus is, because God has spoken to our hearts. We don't leap in the dark. We have faith because we know who he is. And, and one of the things that I want to say to you is that even as you come to Christ and have faith, every day of your life, as you take up the cross and walk, as I like to call it in the day two experience, as you begin to walk with him, your faith begins to get stronger. It begins to get strengthened. Why? Because you go through difficulties, you go through persecutions, you go through tough times, you go to the doctor and you get a bad diagnosis, you go and look at your stock portfolio and there's a recession and it goes downhill, and real estate goes through a recession, and relationships break up. Do I have to keep going? Ever you breathe enough air in this world, you're going to have some down days. And so what happens? As you walk with Christ and you carry the cross of Christ, your faith is strengthened every single day. Uh, and this becomes important for us to understand this, that, that we need to know exactly how God strengthens us in, in every possible way. Uh, and, and so look at 1 Peter chapter 1. This is all about faith. Verse 6, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials, these have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. So you, for you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Can I get an amen on that? Understand how great the, your faith is. That even as you are in this world and going through trials and pain and suffering, that God holds you in his hands. That nothing that you are experienced is not within the will of God within the perfect will of God, that he sees miles down the road, not 50 feet in front, which is all we can see, and that we know that he has a greater purpose for us in our lives, to serve him. Who knows how many people you're going to impact in your life, even as you're going through dark days. Who knows how many people you're going to speak to when you're sitting in a hospital because Jesus has a plan for your life. Who understands this? Who knows? Only God knows. And as he's giving you and putting you through this, you have to have the assurance that your faith is being refined like gold in the fire. Wow, what a great God we have. What a great God we have to understand that that's the nature of what God does, and that's how important faith is. Now, I want you to turn, if you would, to the great faith chapter, which is Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. And I'll tell you a little story that I was a freshman in English at Rutgers University, and I had a very uh, negative professor, not a godly guy, and we were studying uh, Shakespeare and, and uh, English writings related to that period of time, and the King James Bible was part of the, 
the curriculum, and the, the professor asked this freshman class, who can give me the definition of faith as declared by the King James Bible? Now, if you can imagine, he's teaching English 101, and he's done it for years. I'm sure nobody had ever answered that question correctly. And after about 15 seconds, and I saw nobody had their hand up, I said, uh, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You would have thought he got hit in the head with a two-by-four. <laughs> what? You're right. How did you know that? The Holy Spirit. <laughs> well, needless to say, at a subsequent time, I tried to speak to him about God, and that didn't go anywhere, okay? But I'm sure somehow in his mind, he still remembers the day that that freshman remembered the definition of faith. And I believe that truly, really, that is the greatest definition of faith. And it's funny because that's one of those definitions that the King James Bible has it over and above all the other translations. I mean, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Oh, man. Wow, what a brilliant writer uh, in Hebrews that he got that. And so here this whole chapter is devoted to faith. And it's appropriate for us to speak about it because it relates now to what's going on with Thomas. Nothing can happen in your life unless you have faith. You cannot be empowered as a Christian unless you have faith. You cannot fully be the, the, the kind of person that God wants you to be unless you have faith that God is using you, that he will empower you, that he will protect you, that he will be with you in every step of the way. Even, even now, as I'm going to the Mideast, all right? And I understand that every day there's issues in the Mideast, but I'm going to tell you something. I have faith that God will protect me. I have faith. Why? Because I believe I'm walking where God wants me to walk, that he has a greater plan in my life, that he intends for me to go there and study and someday bring people there and have a pilgrimage for his son. I believe that, and I know God will be there with me. And I'm saying that to you because each of you go through the same vicissitudes of your own life the ups and downs, and God wants you to have faith. And look at this example here. There's so many great examples. Let's start with Noah. How about Noah? All right, how about that? How about having a location that isn't anywhere near any sea, all right, inland location, and God speaks to him and says, I want you to build a boat. That was my God voice. And I want it to be a big boat. All right? Uh, and... You just build it because I plan on destroying the world with water. You build it, you obey me, and when the time comes, I will speak to you. Now, I want you to think about this. For 120 years, this guy labors on building this ship. But he ever saw anything like this before? What is this that this guy is building? And I want you to think of the year after year after the year that they must have mocked him went up there and howled in laughter and ridiculed him, all right? Ridiculed him because this idiot thinks he heard from God. Look at this monstrosity, this ship. Who does he think he is? And yet you see submission before God, bowing before God. I believe you, God. I accept you, God. I know you've spoken to my heart. I don't care what other people say. I'm following you. I'm going to do what you do. And finally the day came. Get into the ship 
Get in and bring the animals. Get in. It's over. I will shut the, I will shut the windows and doors of the ship. And what happened? And he did it, and the rains came, and it rained, and it rained for 40 days and 40 nights, and the entire world is wiped out. But you understand what the power of faith is. He had the faith to believe that God was true to his promise. This is what he said. This is what he's saying to you now. This is what it took place when, when Thomas finally believed in God. And then there's another example here that we need to speak about, and that's Abraham. I want you to understand something. Here's Abraham. He's a pagan. Yeah, I want you to know that. A lot of people say, oh, he had to be a godly man. Well, he was a special man, but he was a pagan. He didn't know who Jehovah was. And he's in the Ur of the Chaldees, and God speaks to his heart and tells him to leave that land and basically move out to the Canaan. And he does this based on the fact that he believes that God is speaking to his heart. And so now what happens? As he is as a man following the will of God, slowly matriculating in faith through his life, day by day, walking as faith is being else, built up, one day what? God promises him when he's 90 years old, neighbor him, I want to tell you something, you're going to have a son. What? I'm 90. Sarah's 88. This can't possibly be true. What are you saying to me? Listen to me, son. You're going to have a child. I will honor that promise. And then what goes on? Then about another 10 years goes by. You got it? Because God doesn't immediately snap his finger because we want to see some answers. You understand? He doesn't really do that because he's working on something greater in you. That is in the world. He's working on your faith. He wants you to be a giant as you walk with Christ. And the only way you can do that is if your faith is built up and you recognize that God has shown you that his promises are true. And we say amen to those promises. So there it is. Now he's 100 years old, and guess what? His wife is pregnant, and she has a son, and his name is Isaac. I can't believe it, Abraham. God, you've been so good to me. And I'll bet, even though the Bible doesn't tell us, but I'll bet they spoil that kid rotten. You understand? I know I would if I'd waited that long. I'm sure Abraham is just, just like us in that sense, probably spoiled him rotten. You know, Abraham was a wealthy guy, probably gave him his own car. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, but but the, point, <laughs> the point of it is, the point of it, he was considered one of the wealthiest men in the world at that point. God had blessed him enormously. Well, now guess what? Guess what? Now he's about 115 or so. And the boy is about 15, 16 years old. And one day God speaks to Abram and says, Abraham, I want you to sacrifice that boy for me. Now, how would we react to something like that? God, God did I hear you right? Did I, is it possible that you said this? You want me to sacrifice this boy that you've given me that I've waited my whole life for? You made all these promises, the sands and the sea and the shore will be numbered like my people, like my heirs. How can this be so if my one heir is killed? You don't see that. You don't see that. Instead, you see Abraham 
honoring God. Where, God, where do you want me to do it? And Abraham steps out in faith. Why? Because Abraham believed that ultimately if God took Isaac from him, he would raise him from the dead. How about that? He would raise him from the dead. There would be a resurrection, even though the word and the terminology was unknown at that time, but he believed it. Now, here's where the story gets incredible. And so he travels for three days. How about that? Three days. All right. And then he sends him to a place where it's just the two of them, where the boy will be sacrificed. And what's the name of the place? Mount Moriah. And I plan to stand on Mount Moriah because Mount Moriah is where Jesus was eventually crucified on Mount Moriah. And so right there in the place in which 1,800 years down the line, Jesus Christ would be crucified on the cross, the Son of God himself, Abraham takes the gift of his son, his only son, and there God tells him to sacrifice that boy. And at the last moment, God holds his hand back, holds his hand back and recognizes and gives him a sacrificial lamb caught in the, in the thicket. Uh, as God demonstrate his love. Listen, we have to understand how important faith is to us, how critical faith is. It, is. it is the very powerhouse behind everything that makes us Christians, which helps us to grow closer to God. Uh, and so it's important for you to understand this. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. It is impossible to please God. Just turn to Hebrews chapter 11 for a moment. Verse 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. There it is. You can't please God unless you have faith in him. And so you need to understand this. And if you're sitting here now and you're saying, I want to believe more, but I got some issues with faith, then you have to say, God, help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. And he will help my faith, help to strengthen me. And no amount of good works can ever possibly compensate for a lack of faith. Nothing. Uh, and so when a man refuses to believe God, effectively he is calling him a liar. That's it. And so if God speaks to your heart and you don't believe God, then effectively that's what you're doing. And so we look at these lessons and, and we look at these teachings and they're so profound uh, as God speaks to us. And so uh, I've written a number of points in the outline uh, beginning with point nine about what faith brings to us as Christians. And, and I've given you this because I want you to be able to have it and use it and even as you talk to other people. Uh, first of all, it is by faith, point number nine, we become children of God and enter into the privileges of being in God's spiritual family. You become the family of God by faith. When you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, at that moment, God has adopted you uh, as one of his own. That's how you became part of the family of God. You moved out of the rebellion that the world is in, and now you've moved into the family of God. And you did that by the faith of God. Uh, and Jesus helped to give you that faith. It didn't come on your own. It came because God gave it to you. Uh, and you moved forward and accepted him. Then, 
Number 10, it is through faith that we've earned eternal life. This is clearly stated in John 3, 16. What does that mean? It means that when we accept Jesus, we have faith that by our belief in Jesus, we will live together with Jesus Christ forever in heaven. You believe that. I often told you that if I was cut up into a million pieces on every piece of my body, I would hope it would say, he is resurrected. The tomb was empty. All right? There's not a moment that I don't ever possibly believe everything that Christ has said. I have absolute, total belief that Jesus who is who he said he is. And I hope you have that same kind of faith. That you never have a doubt, never have a moment of doubt. Yes, you're going to have dark times. Yes, you're going to go through difficulties. But I don't, have, I don't lose my faith in God. I'll lose faith in myself. Lord, forgive me that I, don't, that I don't have the faith in you that I should have. But I never, ever forget who God is. Ever. And that's important. And that's why we stand at the grave and we see this, where we can say this at funerals. Death, where is thou? Sting. Where is your sting? Why can we say that, where is your sting? Because we know what Jesus said. The tomb is empty, and your tomb is going to be empty. Your tomb is going to be empty because you have faith in Christ Jesus. You gave him your heart. You gave him your heart. And he then pours the Holy Spirit into your life. It is that very faith. And here's the thing. It's that very faith that motivates you every day in that day to experience as you walk with Jesus, going through the difficulties of day, day, daily walking, being persecuted, being suffering, because you know he's there at the end. He's walking with you, and he will not abandon you. Uh, and then here, point 14 is also important. Faith in Jesus is also the way in which we become blessings to others as the Holy Spirit communicates all God's blessings through us. What does that mean? God has designated you as his ambassador. And so as his ambassador, as you heard it today, as he's ascending up into the throne, and Jesus is telling you, go out into the whole world and preach the gospel. What is that about? You're being designated as the ambassador. And how can you go out and do that if you don't have faith who God said he is? You can't go out just because somebody told you, here's a, here's a pamphlet. Here's a pamphlet. Make sure you go out and give it. Knock on a door. Give this person a pamphlet. I, 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 don't, I don't really understand. You can't do that. Stay home. It's the fact that you have faith that God said who he is, that he died on the cross, that was resurrected, that you have faith. And when I have faith, when I say faith, it means I know it. I know it like I know nothing else in the world. I know it the way I know that the sun comes up, all right, and the sun sets, and the moon comes up. That's the same way I know that Jesus Christ uh, was born uh, from death and was resurrected. That's how much I know it. And that's the kind of articulated faith you have to be. And when you have that kind of articulated faith, God uses you as a blessing, in a mighty way, in a mighty way. Look at John 11, if you would. And this, again, is, is our, our friend Lazarus, and Jesus is at La with Lazarus. Uh, and so he's at the tomb, verse 38. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor. For he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see 
the glory of God? Even to the extent of raising a dead guy? Yeah, yeah. Even to the extent of raising a dead man, if it is within the will of God. And so you see the expression of faith here. If you believed God would do it, if you had faith, God would do it. And so that's the essence of this, of this uh, story today and this lesson about drilling down to you how critical it is that you begin to exercise your faith, that you begin to understand that even through dark times and travails and suffering and persecution that God is doing a work. Look, look, look. Don't think, I don't want you to think that I glorify, that I take glory in hard times, but I'm not an idiot. Nobody wants to suffer. Nobody wants to go through hard times, but I'm going to tell you something. I make it very clear to you that some of the darkest days of my life were things that took place with me in church, that I was persecuted in several places, in several churches. And what I learned is this, God has a greater plan. And sometimes the only way people like us move around is when God kicks us in the butt. You understand what I'm saying? And God says, it's time to move on. I have a different call in your life. I have a place where I want you to be. And sometimes, some of us would never move on, but for the fact that God has to give us a pinprick. Can I get an amen on that? You understand what I'm saying? Do you understand what I'm saying? And so even as you're going through these pricks in the spirit, these temptations, I want you to understand something. God is writing the text he is writing the story of your life. He's got great things lined up for you. He's got a mighty ministry lined up for you. He's got people that he wants you to talk to. He's got people that need to be saved. He wants you to start with your family and then go to your friends and then go to your coworkers and then go to your neighbors. He will never stop you. It'll go on and on and on. The question is, do you have the faith to be used by him? Do you have the faith to be used by him? That's what this story is about. And so as he said it to Thomas, this man, this young man who didn't have the faith, who finally saw who Jesus was, who his faith was consolidated on, day, on that day, who finally came to understand who Jesus was and recognized that he would now go to his own death if need be for Jesus Christ. That's what we want to be. We want to stand up in a world that is lost, in a world that mocks, in a world that has no faith. We want to be the kind of people that stand tall and speak about who Jesus is and what he has done to us. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, I thank you for the lesson that you've given us, Father. I thank you for these words. Lord, be with our people. Let this lesson resonate and grow in their hearts over the next week or two. And Father, protect them while we're away. Be with them in every way, Lord, and continue to help them to come back and worship you. And be with Linda and me as well, Lord, as we travel. Be with us every step of the way and protect us until we can come back and share those experiences with our dear spiritual family. We put all of this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.